Father, we honor you and recognize that truly you are the the giver of all good gifts. Everything that we have comes from you. And so it's our desire to honor you and to simply acknowledge and recognize that the fact that we're even here has everything to do with you. And so we bless you, Father, and I ask that you would bless this time as as we talk about this uh, subject. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that we would uh, be instructed from your word. I pray that we would be challenged and that you would build up your body. This is an important subject, something that the scriptures uh, have much to say about. And I, I trust that it will be beneficial for all of us in here. So please, Lord, move in our hearts and our minds and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So, as I had, let me just say this, I think most of us know, you'll always have people with mixed feelings when it comes to the, the subject of, of giving and money in the church. You will have people who say, oh man, this is all they ever talk about in a church, I don't, you know, they just want my money. Then you'll have people who say they don't talk about it enough, people who want to know more about kind of how things are going, where we're at, people who, who have a desire that we put more emphasis on, on giving to the Lord, so on and so forth. So we really try to strike the balance, and we just deal with it when it comes up in the Scriptures or when there's something in particular that, that brings it up, such as the, the yearly financial meeting. So as a pastor, it was my heart to, to try to lead here and just take this service to talk about biblical giving, scriptural giving. And so I just want to cap this whole thing off with a, a verse from Hebrews chapter 10. I'll read it to you, verses 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we are admonished in the Scriptures here that we are to provoke one another unto good works, to encourage one another unto good works. And so that ultimately is my, my heart here. As the pastor of this church, I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, the members of this congregation, unto good works. And, and giving is certainly a part of that. But, you know... Above all of that, I think you guys know that our heart's desire is to feed the sheep. That's what we are here for, first and foremost. We are here to serve you. And I, and I think that you guys know that. We are here to feed the flock, not fleece the flock, right? And so it's not about what we can get from you guys. Our heart's desire is to feed you, to encourage you, to love you, protect you, serve you and help you in any way that we possibly can. We believe that the Lord has brought you here. He has placed you here under our care. We are responsible before God and how we care for you. So, you know, number one, that, that's where we're coming from here. Now, it's my desire and the pastors of this church is our desire to see you guys walking in the fullness of the Christian life, Christian virtue. And, you know, again, generosity, benevolence, charity, this is, this is all part of that. It's very much a part of, of the Christian life. Uh, to see the church functioning in the fullness of God's blessing. Uh, to see the church in a, in a healthy place. And that today regarding giving in particular. As I said, that is very much what the Christian church is all about and has always been about from the very beginning. You know, in the first century, Rome, the Christians were known for their, their acts of kindness towards anyone and everyone that they could serve. You know, uh, they would find dead bodies and give them proper burials. At that time, it was uh, people of Rome, they had the, the freedom to just discard their babies if they didn't want them. Uh, they'd call that to expose your child. They would basically abandon them and leave them to the elements. And Christians would go around and find these babies and take them in and, and care for them, adopt them, and, and raise them. And so that, that has been the church all along. We, we are a people who desire to give, to love, to serve, to help. That's, that's what we are about here. And so I want to admonish you guys onto good works. I want to exhort you, encourage you, 
to uh, move you along in that direction. Let me just say this for the visitors, for those of you who are visiting here today. I am not asking you for your money, okay? That's not what this is about. Um, I will say that uh, this, is, this is more geared towards the people that, that consider themselves to be members of this, this body. If, if you are a member of this congregation, then uh, you, I know that you feel a, a certain desire to, to um, support, to partner with, to help with the general vision and mission that God has given this church. Amen? And, and so that's, that's what uh, I'm, I'm doing here. And so, you know, you always think, great, this, I ran into somebody yesterday at, at Pete's that um, they're, they're not a believer, but they know I'm a pastor. I haven't seen them in a long time. I was there studying, and they're like, so what are you going to teach about tomorrow? And I'm like, great. I'm teaching about giving, me, giving us more money. You know, it's like, no. And so I had to, you know, and obviously that's not what it's about, but I just thought it's, it's such a... a, a sensitive subject so often people are quick to get offensive or they don't like to hear it but as I said it's necessary so I just want you guys to to breathe easy here okay this is not a a push for money I just want to present to you what the scriptures say about generosity what the scriptures say about giving uh, what the scriptures say about charity Um, and particularly two things why I want to answer the questions why do we give to God why do we give to God? And secondly, you know, why do we give to the church? What, what is that all about? And so, um, with that, I have titled this message, Convictional Giving. Convictional Giving. You know, um, giving financially ought to be a matter of conviction, and our convictions ought to be informed by the Scriptures. Now, what is a conviction? This might be a word that you don't often hear outside of the Christian circles. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But it's, it's just a belief that you hold deep within your heart. It's what drives you. You believe it so much so that it, it drives whether you do something or don't do something. If you go against your convictions, it burdens you because it's so deeply embedded in who you are, your moral compass. And so uh, when we talk about giving, it's important that what you give, if you give, how you give, all of that comes out of your understanding, your convictions, your belief of what the Scriptures teach. You know, guys, let me just say this. There's, there's just no way that I could communicate everything that I would like to communicate about this in, in one sermon. And so... Unfortunately, uh, you know, this is very much an overview kind of thing. This is certainly not an exhaustive teaching. I, w- I would encourage you, Pastor Bill and I, when we went through 2 Corinthians, we talked about this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. We spent three sermons working through that. That is a classic text of Scripture that deals with biblical giving. I'll reference it a couple of times in this message, but uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that if you desire to have a more fully developed understanding of of biblical, scriptural, New Testament giving. So first, I just wanted to talk about why do we give financially to the Lord? What is, what is that all about? Why do we give financially to God? Well, first off, let me just say this. We are called to give to God, period. And we do that in many ways. Financially is just one small part of it. First and foremost, God wants our hearts. You understand that? Above anything and everything else, God wants our loyalty. He wants our worship. He just wants us to, to give ourselves to Him, first and foremost. Above anything that we can do for Him, above our service, any of that, God wants your heart. And, and so that's, that's important. God wants our obedience. We offer God our obedience. We, we do the best we can to do the things that are pleasing to Him. We try our best not to do the things that we know are displeasing to Him. God wants our giftings. Whatever kind of talent that you may have, whatever kind of gifting that God has given you, that is for God. That is for His glory and that is for His people. That is for the church. And many of you are using your giftings for God. There are a lot of people in the world who are using their giftings for everything but for God and His honor. But that, again, is something that we offer up to the Lord. 
our relationships. We give that to God. Parents, I'm sure you, you know very well what I'm talking about. There comes a, a time in your life, sometimes many times, where you just have to give your kids to the Lord. And you have to say, God, they're, they're yours. I'm trusting them to you. And I thank you for allowing me this season of their life to love them and to invest in them, to protect them, to try to raise them up in your ways. But ultimately, they are yours. Our time. Time is something that we give to God. The Scriptures talk about honoring God with our first fruits, right? And so I think it's important that we give God the first of our day, if at all possible. And it's not always possible but there's something special, I think, about getting up first thing in the morning and meeting with the Lord before anything else. So giving God the first, giving Him the best, giving Him our time. We're told that we're to honor God with our possessions. Again, that is uh, Proverbs 3.9. You know, our possessions, my car, am I using it for the glory of God? Am I giving people rides that need rides, who need help? Am I taking people to church? Am I... You know, my, my house, whatever it may be, whatever I have, it's God's. Am I using it for His glory? Because it's His, ultimately. And finances, money, it's all His. Whatever we have, it's, it's the Lord's money. And we use it how God would have us to use it. This is a very foreign concept to many people, but this is scriptural. So you look at all of these areas and you realize that it all belongs to the Lord. Every part of our lives, everything it's His, and we are simply managing it. And so that kind of leads us to the next point. It's a, man, a matter of stewardship. Stewardship. That might be, again, another word that we don't hear very often, but again, it's just to say we manage what God has given us. We recognize that God has entrusted these things to us and it is not ours. We're simply taking care of it and doing the best we can to manage it according to God's will, God's pleasure, God's heart. So it's a, uh, a matter of stewardship. When we give to the Lord, when we give financially to God, what we are saying is, God, I recognize that, that this is your money first and foremost, you provided my ability to work. You provided really my ability to obtain the skills to do this job. You provided the job. You provided the air that I'm breathing. Everything is yours. Thank you, God, for blessing me with this income. I'm giving you a portion of it to acknowledge that it's yours. It's yours, and I'm managing it for you. It's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of gratitude. Giving financially to the Lord is a matter of gratitude. It's saying, thank you, God. Thank you for providing for me, and I'm giving a portion of it back to you with a heart of gratitude. It's worship. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. You're saying, God, I trust that you have provided and that you will continue to provide. Because, guys, I'm sure we can all yes and amen this. It's hard to give sometimes. And especially where we live here, it's not easy to make it in this, in this place. So oftentimes we don't have much to give. And when we give, we are really demonstrating trust. We are really demonstrating uh, faith that we really believe God. We really believe that He will honor His promise. We really believe that He will be faithful to provide and help us if we are willing to honor and acknowledge Him with our finances. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of godliness. When we give to God, we are simply imitating God's character, God's nature. Our God is a giving God, is He not? And He has given the, the greatest thing that He could possibly have given. He gave His Son. And we are told in 2 Corinthians that Jesus, though He was rich, for our sakes He became poor so that we could be rich. And so... We are imitating God when we are generous. When we give, we are simply imitating God's character in that we are showing Christ-like character. We are demonstrating godliness when we give financially. It's a matter of mission. It's a matter of mission. We are on a mission here. And uh, we are doing our best to serve the Lord and to serve God's purposes, to try to help build God's kingdom. And so when we give, we are partnering with God. We are partnering with God's people in the mission that God has called us to here in Napa Valley. You understand? So, so there are many reasons here why we give. First and foremost, as I said, we give 
everything to, the, to God, every part of our life. But then beyond that, we give financially to the Lord for all of these reasons. And there are many, and they are, they're all very good and, and valid and scriptural reasons. So that is why we give to the Lord. Now, I want to hone in just a little more. Why do we give to the church? Why is it that we give financially to the church? So let's just talk about that for a moment. Now, guys, I think we really don't understand just how important this is, and it is for sure that many people don't, that the church, that is what God is doing right now. That is, that is God's business. He is building His church. The word church is ekklesia in the Greek. It means called out ones. It is people that have been called out of the world and called into God's family. We are made sons and daughters of God. And we are purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is amazing. And that is what Christ is in the business of doing. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is why He died. That is why He shed His blood. That is why He rose again from the grave so that we would be saved, so that we would be welcomed into His church, so that we would be sons and daughters of the living God. And that is what God is up to in the world right now. He is building His church. That is God's heart. And so we want to be about that. If you want to be about what God is about, we want to be about that. And that is helping to to invest in God's kingdom, helping to invest and build God's church, being used by God towards building His church. You know, a lot of people just don't understand the importance of church. They think and say, you know, I can be a Christian and not go to church. That is true. You can know God. You can be born again. You can experience forgiveness. You can have the Holy Spirit. You can meet with God in His Word. But if you are not connected to the church, if you are not a member of the local body, you are missing out. That's one of the greatest blessings of being a Christian is the family, the body of Christ, the local church. Is it not? You know, there's so many wonderful blessings that we enjoy within the church. And I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The banana that leaves the bunch gets peeled. And so... We want to be with our family. Okay, There's no Lone Ranger in the church. You know, We're soldiers and we have to stay with our platoon. We can't afford to, to break away. And so the, the church is huge. The church is beautiful. We thank God for the church. Praise God that we get to be a part of His church. Praise God that we get to invest in His church. That's what God is doing. That's what's important to God. It should be what's important to us. Now, the, the call to give is, is all throughout the Bible. From cover to cover, Old Testament to New Testament. And there are some, some differences between the Old and the New. And we'll, we'll talk about that. In the Old Testament, there were mandatory offerings. Offerings that we had to give. But then there were free will offerings. Above the mandatory offerings, people were, were able to just come and give freely as they so desired to do. And it was truly an act of worship. It was an a, a act of, of praise on the worshiper's part. Now, tithing. Tithing was an Old Testament uh, practice. And you will still hear us use the term sometimes here in the church. And when we do, it's generally just shorthand. It's just an easy way of talking about giving. Giving to the Lord. But we don't actually believe in tithing in the Old Testament sense. Because in all reality, there were multiple tithes in the Old Testament. So there were actually two tithes uh, that were exacted from the people which would amount to about 20%. And then there was a, a 10% tithe taken every third year for benevolence uh, for, the, for the nation, for uh, social issues. And so it would amount to about 23% yearly, the tithe. And so if you really want to be strict about tithing, it's much more than 10%. It's actually more like 23% roughly. And it was more of a taxation. It was necessary for the upkeep of the temple, for the priests, the Levites, for the national feast, again, for benevolence, for caring for the poor, the, the widows, so on and so forth. It was a taxation. But that was, by and large, the reason for it. Now, let me say this. 
though we do not uh, believe that the tithe is, um, is what we go by now in the church, that principle is still very relevant for the church. In the New Testament, we do not exact a tithe from the church. We rely solely on people's free will offerings to the Lord, period. We'll talk, talk more about that in just a moment. But we don't say you need to give X amount of money. We just trust that as God moves in your heart and at, that you give, and what you give to the church, we, we function on that. Much, much like they did in the Old Testament, much like they did here, the, the priestly duties, the temple, all, all of those kinds of things, caring for the poor, so on and so forth. Uh, we, we function that way by your free will offerings to the Lord in the New Testament. Does that make sense? You, you tracking with me? Uh, that, that is how we function. Now, we rely on your free will offerings to the Lord and that, that pays for pastors, missionaries, the overhead, uh, rent, power, water, all the different things that are necessary. I keep talking about benevolence. And some of you may not know what I mean by that, but that is... Uh, money that we would use to, to feed people, to give to the poor, to help people pay power bills or medical issues when there's an emergency or whatever the case may be. We, we want to be able to help people within the, within the body and we also help people outside of the body. And so that's what I mean when I talk about benevolence. You know, and over the years... The church has had my back. There have been times where um, I needed help from the church and the church was there for me. And so it's, it's great that we, we give like that because the church is there for, for people. And so that's how the church functions. So it's, on a practical level, guys, it's just it's necessary uh, for us in a lot of ways uh, to, to function. Now, we could always meet in a park somewhere you know, and if it came down to it, that's what we would do. You know, I've talked about this before. We're pastors, and we're going to pastor no matter what. And we're going to we're going to serve, and we're going to love you. We're going to we're going to teach. We're going to do what we do by God's grace, by God's spirit. We have all worked and uh, worked many jobs and and ministered. And most pastors uh, have done that at some point in time, and or still are. It's just part of it. Uh, but it's such a blessing to be able to devote one's life to the service of the Lord and to be uh, supported so that we can give you all of our lives, so that we can give you the, the best of our lives. Does that make sense? You understand? And so uh, for the church to function at, at its best and uh, full health, kind of full steam ahead, it is dependent very much upon people uh, giving to the Lord, giving to the church. In order for us to really be on mission, in order for us to be able to, to pay missionaries, for us to be able to support and, and help people who are in need, whatever the case may be, it is dependent upon gifts to the Lord from you. Um, I, I suppose this might be kind of a good time to talk about this. I wasn't exactly sure at what point... Uh, in the in the sermon, I would mention it, but since we're talking about uh, your gifts to the Lord and, and how the church functions, um, just kind of the state of of the church, what Paul talked about, I told you that I would try to interpret some of that a little bit for you and, and just explain what does that mean for us, everything that he said. Uh, at the end of the year, we do generally get large gifts in December. And I don't know who, who these people are that, that give. I'm, I'm very much removed from that uh, for, for many legitimate reasons. I'm sure you guys understand. But I'm aware that, that those gifts do come in, and I just see that as, as God's hand is on our church. God is keeping us afloat. God is moving in the hearts of His people to, to meet those needs that, that we have. Um, those are not guaranteed. We don't know if they're coming. Um, it's just something that, that maybe it will, maybe it won't. Apart from that, throughout the year, um, giving has been you know, fairly down. And there are some months when it's really down. And so uh, over the years, the trend has been somewhat downward. And so instead of kind of moving forward, in some ways we've been having to sit still or even move backwards at times. And... Uh, 
you know, we're really blessed for, for me to be on staff, for Pastor Bill to be on staff, for uh, Dan Bernard to be able to help us um, the little bit that we're able to, to pay him. That is huge. We're, we're so blessed. We're so grateful. Uh, but, you know, there are, uh, are plenty of weeks and months where it's, it's low, low, low. And so, um, Pastor Gordon Goo, you know, he was a staff pastor here at one time. When Pastor Gary, or not Gary, Pastor Bill um, decided that he was going to transition out, it was basically the, the whole staff, you know, him, Pastor Gordon, Pastor Vince, that kind of set into motion that they were going to make way for the new guys, the young guys to come up. And so uh, Pastor Gordon was the first one to kind of exit stage. Now he's still here. Pastor Gordon is still a pastor here at this church. just want you guys to know that. And he is here to serve you guys, to love you guys, and he wants to be available to you in any way that he can be. And he is such a blessing to us. Uh, but Pastor Vince most recently has gone off of, of paid staff. Now he is still here as a pastor, and he is still here to serve you, to love you, to counsel you, to uh, lead small groups that he does, to do whatever he does. That, that doesn't change, but he's no longer here um, paid. Now he had come to me and communicated that he felt like it was probably time, and uh, he was ready to, to hand it off to the next young guy and, and move that salary over. So that we could uh, bring on, you know, a youth guy. Um, obviously, Dalton Goo is our, our youth pastor, so youth leader. That would be our um, that would be the next logical move. But in all reality, the money just wasn't there, so that salary kind of disappeared. Uh, so when Pastor Vince stepped out, that just kind of went away, and we had to reassess our missionaries. And I don't know if you noticed on our missionary board, but half of our missionaries we had to let go this past year, and we've had to cut some of our missionaries down a little bit. And so I don't, want, I don't say that to discourage you guys because I'm very excited about what God is doing here. Uh, it's very obvious to me that God is moving in, in His people and He's doing new things. I'm very encouraged and I want you to be encouraged. But I also want you just to be aware, to kind of know that um, things have been trending in a direction financially that, that aren't so great. And... Um, you know, where the Lord guides what? He provides. We believe that. I've said that many times over. I will continue to say that. But I will also say this. There are many times when the Lord prompts us to do something and we don't do it, you know. And I, I could just say uh, sharing our faith, for instance, right? How many of us in here have seen someone and we felt a prompting on our heart to talk to that person about the Lord and then we, we don't do it. And then we feel kind of bummed out about it afterwards. I bet just about every one of us in this room can, can relate with that. It happens probably more frequently than we would like to admit. Well, I think the same could be true for, uh, for, <coughs> excuse me, for forgiving. You know, the Lord prompts us, but for whatever reason, finances are tight, uh, whatever the case may be. Maybe we don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, we, we just don't. And so with that, I wanted to just kind of share with you guys, this is in your notes here, number three, things to be cautious of. Things to watch out for. It, it's subtle, but it creeps in. First off, beware the all or nothing mindset. And this is something that I've always kind of been an extreme guy. So with me, it's like if I can't do everything I want to do, I won't do anything at all. I don't know if any of you can relate with that. And I heard a sermon one time, I really liked it, and it was called, Do for One What You Wish You Could Do for Everybody. And that was the very point that this pastor was making. We all want to do so much. I'm not necessarily talking about finances in this sermon that he, he was teaching. He said, there are so many things that we want to do for people and on a large scale, and we just can't. And so what do we do? We don't do anything at all. And that's not good, obviously. So the whole point of that sermon was, whatever you wish you could do for 100 people, 200 people, 500 people, find one person and do it for them. And you'll be amazed at what God can do through that. And he kind of gave some examples of that, and that was very cool. Well, that would be my, my encouragement to you guys. It's not a matter of all or nothing. It's not a matter of, if you can't do what you wish you could, that doesn't mean don't do anything at all. You know, my pastor in Tennessee told me when he first became a Christian, he, and he became convicted about giving, he gave 50 cents a week. And that was hard for him to do. 
That was a real challenge. And I thought, that, that's awesome, you know. And, and he gave that, and he gave it consistently. He gave it faithfully. And over time, you know, God blessed him, and, and he kind of grew in that. But that's awesome. If you, if you go to the Lord, and you seek the Lord's face, and that's what God puts on your heart, man, praise Him, you know. Uh, here, here's the thing. We're dealing with, with a God of miracles. We're dealing with a God who works in the supernatural, much like the disciples thought, what are five loaves and two fish among so many people? But Jesus took that and He fed a multitude of people. He fed thousands of people. And do you remember how much was left over? Twelve baskets, right? And so that, that's what we're, we're dealing with here. God can take that 50 cents and do something amazing with it. And, you know, it's hard for us to understand how that, that works, but that's, that's our God. Is that not glorious? And so, uh, beware the all-or-nothing mindset. God can do incredible things with, with five loaves and two fish. Another one, don't assume everyone else is carrying the load. I've, I've given this example before. I think it's just great. Um, I don't know how many of you in here uh, are, know about the show. I'm sure most of us do, American Idol. Years ago, there was a, a season in particular where they had, they had the guys, the men and women who were clearly the front runners. They were the favorites. And so it was up to the people at home, the viewing audience, to call in after the show and vote for their favorite person. Well, what started happening was the best of the best were getting voted off. And they couldn't figure out why and how in the world could this be. These are clearly the best. These are clearly the people's favorite. How are they getting voted off? And the theory was is that everyone was assuming that this person will clearly make it to the next round. But I'm not quite ready to see this person go. So they were voting for the lesser, assuming that the, the, the best were going to make it. And they were getting voted off. Because everyone was just simply assuming that it was being that they were going to be you know, obviously voted for and, and go on to the next level. That can happen with giving in the church. We can really assume that. You know, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I'm not really able to, 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 um, to give, but I'm sure everyone else is. And then a lot of people have that mindset, and giving is not there, and we don't even know it because we don't talk about it much here. We talk about it once a year like this. We don't pass a plate. And so you guys oftentimes aren't even really aware of, of how things are going. And then lastly, I would say don't get giving confused with other things. Because I mentioned earlier how we're to give, all of, give to God in all of these areas, right? And I've heard people say, well, you know, this is my, this is my tithe to the Lord, if I may use that, that term, tithe. Maybe it's an act of service. Maybe they say, you know, I'm not going to charge the church for doing this, though I would normally charge someone, so let that be my, my tithe to the Lord. And I had one brother come to me, and he was uh, telling me about that very kind of uh, way of thinking. And he said, you know, when I was younger, I thought that uh, loving my, my wife and taking care of my kids was my tithe to the Lord. And he said, I, I since have learned, you know, obviously that's, it's not the same thing. And so we, ha we just have to understand that. Um, we, we serve the Lord, we obey the Lord, we worship the Lord, we give Him our time, our possessions, but we also honor Him with our finances for all the reasons that I have mentioned. And we don't want to get that confused with other things. So, moving on, let's talk about the encouragements from the Bible. This is something that I, I have always strayed away from a little bit because I, I, my concern is, is that it's really abused. Um, a lot of churches, not even necessarily the, the prosperity preachers, even, even churches that we would consider to be much more kind of mainstream, conservative, it's subtle, but they throw it in there. If you give, then you will get, basically is what they're telling you. They may not even be saying it that way, but that's the way that it's coming across. That The Bible says that if you'll give, if you'll sow seeds, if you'll do this, you'll do that, God's going to bless you. And, and that's how people kind of interpret it. And that's how people begin to treat it. And it's a matter of giving to God so that I can get. That is not good. That is not a good uh, way of looking at things. That is not a good philosophy to have. And so I, I kind of have run in the other direction. But that's not good either. So I just want to read some of these scriptures to you. There are several. There are more than I have listed in our notes here. But there are scriptures that deal with 
blessing that comes from being generous. Blessings that come from giving to God. And I just want to set the record straight a little bit here as we look at these Scriptures. So, in your notes there, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So here is the verse I've been quoting regularly and it is, Recognize or honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. That is, the, the first of what you have, give it to the Lord. Honor God with it. Recognize God as the giver of the gift. The idea here is that we are worshiping the Creator, not the creation. We could get really caught up in things that, that we have and we can really enjoy the blessings of God so much so that we kind of forget the giver of the gift because we are so enamored by the gift itself. And we're told here, honor the Lord. Remember God. Give back to God what has first been given to you. And then there's a conditional promise given here. If you do that, verse 10, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And the whole idea here is that if you will honor God, if you will recognize that He is the giver of the gift, every good thing that we have comes from Him, and then you will remember Him and give back to Him, that God will continue to bless you. God will honor that. But if you begin to, to worship the gift itself to the exclusion of God and you forget about God, God will hold back. He'll remove that hand of blessing because it all come, came from Him in the first place. Right? And so if we, if we don't honor and acknowledge God, why should He bless? Why should He continue to, to, uh, to give? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So here God is saying that if you will give, if you will bring your tithe into His house, into His storehouse, there will be such blessing that they can't even contain it. Now this is speaking of the Old Testament tithe that I was talking about earlier. God's house, the temple, the priests, they relied solely on the, the, the tithe of the people. And at this time, we know in the Scriptures, the priests were having to go out and be farmers and work because the people weren't giving. And what the people were giving were the leftovers and, and the beat up flock, the lame, the maimed. They, they were giving God the least of what they had. And God said, look, if you give to me, if you give to my house, if you give to my servants and my people, you think that I won't bless you? You think I won't honor that? You, the point here is that you can't outgive God. If you give to God, if you give to His house and His people, He will bless you. And the, the whole point here, guys, is God blesses that so that we can continue to be givers. We don't give to get. We give so we can keep giving and keep giving. And God just keeps blessing and giving so that we can keep giving. It just doesn't stop. It's called getting up underneath the spout where the blessings pour out. You know what I mean? As we are generous, God is generous. And we can just keep being generous. And so we don't, get, we don't give to get. We give so that God can just keep pouring through us. And we can be conduits of God's blessing you know I've heard it said that if God can get it through you he'll get it to you if it stops with you then he's not going to get it to you does that make sense and so that's what we're seeing here Philippians chapter 4 verse 18 says indeed I have all and abound I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to God and my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now Paul was incarcerated at this time for his testimony and he received a love gift from the church in Philippi. And he said, I have received your gift. This is a pleasing offering to the Lord. It is a sweet smelling aroma unto Him. And you know what? My God is going to supply all your needs according to His bank account, His heavenly riches and glory in Christ. And so the whole idea here, first off, notice that the gift that they gave to Paul was really a gift to God. God received that. And He was well pleased with it. It was a soothing, sweet smelling aroma to God. That is beautiful. I love that. And Paul said, guess what? God is going to supply your needs. 
You took care of me. You cared for God's servant. God is going to take care of you. 2 Corinthians here, verse 9. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, so that, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And note that, every good work. So this is a simple agricultural term language here. You know, more seed, more harvest. Less seed, less harvest. And so he's saying, as you give, God is able to supply so that you can continue to give. I'll read that again. Um, Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So that's the idea. You know, we, we give because God will bless so that we can continue to give. You know, our Lord said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and uh, we believe that. We trust that. So with that, let's uh, go to number five here in your notes. I think this is a good place to kind of come to the end of the sermon because this is very important. It's not easy for me to stand here and talk about giving as I have said. Um, but it's, it's, it's all throughout the Scriptures. It's important. It's necessary. As a pastor, I'm called before God to speak the truth and to talk about the hard things. But I want to kind of close on the motivation of, of how we give. I think this is probably one of the most important parts regarding all of this. We want to get this right. So first and foremost, when you give, how do you give? First off, as the Lord leads. That's how you give. Is it 50 cents? Praise God. If that's how God led you to, lead, uh, to give, praise Him. You know, Be obedient to that. And trust that God will take that and use it for His kingdom. If it's 10%, if you think that tithing 10% is a, is a, a good starting place, then praise the Lord. Do that. Some people want to do more than 10%. They do 15, 20%. Some people do 5. Some people don't look at percentages at all. They just, you know, the Lord moves in their heart and they feel like this is this is a good good place right here and this is what what they give. I would encourage you to do what the Lord tells you to do. That's all that matters. If you're going to give, give as the Lord leads. We see in 2 Corinthians 8:5, that's what it says, that they gave and not only as we hoped but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So these, these Christians that gave charitably, first they went to the Lord, and then they gave what they gave according to God's will. Secondly, when you give, let it be freely. Give freely, not by compulsion. I'm not here to, to force you into anything. I'm not here to manip- manipulate you or, or con you. I'm not here to... You know, we don't do a, a big hype. I've seen churches that do. That's, that's how they do what they do. And that's them. And they'll, they'll get up on stage and they'll get everybody cheering and pumped up. And, hey, what, what time is it? And everyone shouts, it's giving time. And, I mean, they get people going. And people are excited. And they're just really putting it out there. This is, you know, every week that's what they got to do. And, you know, I had a buddy that told me about his church in Tennessee. They would ask everybody did everybody come prepared to give raise your check up in the air and everyone would have to raise their check and then he would pray over them and then have the ushers single file march everyone up the center aisle to put their money in the plate up front you know and it's just like yikes and so that is not good that is not scriptural and uh, we don't even want to get near that kind of stuff so we want what you to give what you give to the lord needs to come from a, a, a heart of of freedom I am freely giving this. This is what the Lord has moved on my heart to give. It has nothing to do with, with what people have told me I should or shouldn't give. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 and 9, 7, it says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly and not of necessity. Just as you feel led of the Lord, give freely from your heart. Third, give joyfully. Give joyfully. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever been given a gift grudgingly? 
Have you ever had someone give you something and you could just tell that they were gritting their teeth? They did not want to give it to you. Or after they give it to you, they guilt you. And you would think, man, I wish that I wouldn't have even taken that. Now, well, God doesn't want it either if that's the way that, you know, we're going to be. If we have to do it joyfully, you know, it's, you know, we are so glad to, to give to the Lord. It's, it's a, a thing of worship, of praise. We're to give generously. 2 Corinthians 8.2 That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So this is a, it's a tricky line to walk. You give as the Lord prompts you to give. But oftentimes God will push us to give you know, um, generously. He'll push us to give you know, maybe more than we wanted to give or at a time we're like, Lord, this is all I got. And, um, and, and we're, we're told to do so generously. You know, Jesus talks about these kinds of things quite a bit in the Gospels. It's not, it's not the amount that you give. It's well, what did it cost you, you know? Um, David said that uh, he was purchasing a plot of land to sacrifice to the Lord on. The guy just wanted to give it to him. And he said, I'm not going to sacrifice to the Lord on something that cost me nothing. You know, if he was going to give something to the Lord, it was going to come at a cost to him. He was going to give something to the Lord that, that, uh, that required some generosity, some sacrifice. So that fits sacrificially. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-3 Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. So giving sacrificially. You know, I mentioned to you the pastor that gave 50 cents. That was sacrificial for him. You know? And so I'm not, I don't say that jokingly. I say that seriously. I, I believe him. And so... Um, Again, it's, it's relative to, to each person's situation, but it's not the amount, it's what it costs you. And we're to do so generously, but sacrificially. And, and these Christians here, they did. They gave out of their poverty. You know, the, the, the widow and her two mites. Jesus was watching all the people putting their money in the, in the uh, collection plates in the temple, in the money box. And people were giving from their wealth. And then this lady came in and gave uh, two mites. It's like a fraction of a penny. And Jesus jumped up and was like, you see that? She gave more than everyone combined in here. Because she gave out of her poverty. Again, it was uh, what it cost her. And God honored that. That was special. That was beautiful. It was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. So that's how, how we give when we give. So I'll kind of wrap it up at this point and just say... We are so grateful for you, you who consider yourself to be members of this, this body here, for those of you who support what God is doing in this place. It's our desire to love you, to serve you, uh, to be there for you. And so we would just want to thank you guys for your generosity. You know, God has moved on your hearts and you have, um, you have obeyed that. And so this is a, it's a struggle to give. And I, I get that. I totally get that. Um, especially, as I said earlier, where, where we live. But I, as I said when I opened up this whole thing, my desire is to see you walking in the fullness of, of Christian virtue, the Christian life. And this is just very much a part of it, being generous, uh, being charitable, giving. And it doesn't just happen in the church. We should be generous people outside of these four walls. When you encounter people out in the community here who have a need or someone that you know in your family or a friend or a co-worker, whatever the case may be. We are to be generous people. We are to, to do our very best to meet the needs of people and allow God to provide and, and to uh, be a conduit through which God's blessing flows. And so, um, you know, that, that, that is it, guys. That's kind of the status of of where we're at, but I'm excited and trusting that this coming year, God is going to continue to bless. You know, and it's, it's our desire, our church, I'll just tell you this. I would love to see us be able to, you know, Pastor Bill said that when he came here, he came as a pioneer, right? He came here to, 
to, uh, to work the land, to, to toil, to labor, blood, sweat, and tears, to build something. And he had many people who came alongside him here to share that burden. But what happens over the years is, is the new people come in and, we, and the, the settlers come in. And uh, we begin to just kind of chill and, and, uh, and kind of walk in the, the, the fruit and labor of those who came before us. Guys, we're going back into pioneer mode. You know, that was what Pastor Bill told the board when I came on. We're back in building mode now. And so it's our desire, obviously, to see people coming to Christ, to make an impact here in Napa as we always have been for 30 years. We want to continue that work. We want to commit afresh to, to going deep and really storming the gates and going after it. You know, and I would love to see us be able to, to pay a youth pastor to be able to reach the youth, to reach the teenagers, you know, to be able to invest more in our children's ministry here, to be able to, to give more to our children's ministers, uh, our missionaries. We, we want to make a global impact. We want to be able to reach people all around the world, not just here in Napa. We want to be able to, to give to the needs of the people in the congregation, to the people in this community. We want to be free to be able to go after it with all of our might, and so I just want you to know that, it, that if you give to this church, that's what, that's what it's about. That's what, your money is not uh, being wasted. It is being used for the, the advancement of the kingdom, for the, further, the furtherance of the kingdom. And uh, we're, we are in pioneer mode. That is what we are trying to do. So again, I just want to thank you guys. Uh, your, your offerings to the Lord, they are a sweet-smelling aroma. Amen. All right, let's close... Uh, let me just offer up a closing word of prayer here. God, we praise You and thank You that You truly are the giver of all good gifts. Everything that we have it has come from You. And it's our desire to give back to You and to be able to partner and invest in the kingdom. So we love You, Lord. We thank You for what You are doing here. We're excited about what You're going to do. And we praise You, Lord. We praise Your holy name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.